Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. And it's Thursday night again. And of course, we're here to, uh, to uh, talk about polygamy and to keep asking the question, must you live polygamy to inherit eternal life? But before we get on with the show, I do have one announcement that we need to make. The Utah County Christian Outreach is having their next meeting, Christianity versus Mormonism, on Tuesday, January 20th. That'll be next Tuesday at 6 p.m. It's going to be held at the Orem Library. That's at 58 North State Street in Orem. And if you're searching for answers to life's very most important questions, that will be the place for you to go. That's the Mormon Outreach Christianity versus uh, Mormonism, Tuesday, January 20th at 6 p.m. at the Orem Library. Now, it, it may surprise many of our viewers, especially our polygamous viewers, to discover that polygamy is not an essential. In fact, it is a definite non-essential to God. In fact, God has never required that you live polygamy in order to please Him. In fact, God would rather you did not live polygamy. During the first week of December, we received an email that touches on the dilemma of a very important point of faith in this culture. And this is what the email said, I quote, Dear Doris, first, thank you for the wonderful information you give in every one of your shows. I truly enjoy your program. I left Mormonism several years ago and am so grateful to now be a Christian. My mother is still in Mormonism and recently we were debating who Jesus is. She says she has gotten some scriptures from her visiting teacher to prove to me that Jesus is Satan's elder brother, etc. Can you give me some scriptures I can show her that Jesus is God? Thanks for your help. Well, we have received several emails in the past asking questions similar to this one, wanting to know the difference between the Mormonism's Jesus and the Jesus of the Bible. And there is a huge difference in the biblical Jesus and the Jesus of Mormonism. In fact, the difference is, is as big as heaven is from hell. Most of our viewers know that I was born and raised in the Kingston Polygamy Group. We were taught from the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the Doctrine and Covenants, and from other LDS church teaching materials. We grew up on basic Mormon doctrine. When I finally decided to own my own opinions and found out I had been taught, had not been taught the truth about these things. And the most tragic of all the false teachings that I had received is that Jesus Christ is not who they said He is. You see, God has given us His testimony of who Jesus is. Jesus gave His testimony of who He is. And Jesus tells us that the only worship that God accepts is worship done in spirit and in truth. Truth matters. Jesus Christ claimed to be Almighty God, 
the one and only God in existence everywhere, anywhere, and ever. We quote from the Gospel of John in verse 21. The verses will go up on the screen, John 8, 21. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. John 8, 23 to 25, And he said unto them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Now, dying in our sins results in eternal condemnation. That's what Jesus himself said. We have the option then of believing what he said about himself or believing what we want to believe about him or believing what someone else tells us what to believe. We want to make four particulars from these verses we just read. The first one is Jesus accused his own people of not knowing him or the Father. Second point, Jesus said that he is from above and we are from beneath. From Jesus' own mouth, he is teaching we did not pre-exist. Number three, he said if we die in our sins, where he goes, we cannot come. He went to heaven. And number four, therefore, where we go after we die is contingent upon believing the truth of who Jesus is, which includes who Jesus is not. He said, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So who is he? Is Jesus Satan's elder brother? Is he our elder brother? Is Jesus the literal son of God or is he God the son? Was Jesus God in eternity past or did he grow into and earn godhood? These and other questions we're going to discuss tonight in a panel discussion. We have invited two guests to come and share with us. The first guest is a former Mormon, Tyson Holbrook, and he's here to answer question, the, the questions we're going to ask as a former Mormon. Yes. Thank you for coming, and you Thanks are a former Mormon, and you're now, you're now a Christian. Okay, and the next guest is a Christian pastor, Pastor Dan Momatella, and he is the pastor of Mill Creek Church in Salt Lake City. Thank you, Pastor Dan, Thank you. for coming and sharing, and you pastor a church. You're a Bible student. You're, you t- teach and preach the Bible every week, so we're going to compare Mormon doctrine, and I'm from a polygamy group, polygamy doctrine, and then compare it with biblical doctrine. Three different sources. How do we determine what the truth is when there are so many opinions? There must be a standard to guide us. So point number one, growing up in the Mormon polygamy group, we were taught that all humanity were born as spirit babies to father and mother in heaven. The greatest of these spirit babies were Jesus and Lucifer. They are our our elder brothers. But Lucifer got angry and vindictive when his salvation plan was rejected in favor of Jesus' plan. He became the devil, and he took one-third of the spirit children with him in his rebellion. They called this the war in heaven. These one-third of the spirits who followed Satan became demons and could never have human bodies. Those spirits who were not valiant in the war in heaven were born blacks, and the spirits who were on God's side were born but would never go to the highest heaven. 
The most valiant and favored spirits in that war were all those who were born in the Kingston polygamy group. Jesus Christ has a father, God, whose name is Elohim, and a mother in heaven whose name no one seems to know. Jesus was born first of all God's little spirit children, and Lucifer was born next. The remainder of human spirits were born after them. So that makes us all one great big spirit family born through sexual relations between God and one of his wives. We were also taught that Jesus Christ was a secret polygamist while he was here. Jesus' Father God is a man, just like us humans, with a body of flesh and bones. He progressed to Godhood, and His Son Jesus is following in His footsteps. Now that's just a very condensed version of the doctrine we were taught. But we're going to talk about this. We're going to compare this teaching I received in the polygamy group, first with the LDS teaching, and then what does the Bible teach? So Tyson, yeah. you're an ex-Mormon. How um. does that... <laughs> What I just said, how does it compare with what you were taught as a member in the LDS Church? Very similar, uh, minus the Kingston part. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> very, very similar. So yes, of course, we were, we were um, you know, in a pre-existence. There was the Great Council in Heaven, which became, you know, the war in Heaven. Uh, Satan presented the plan, saying, I will make sure that everybody comes back. Everybody will, you know, they will be forced to listen to me. Uh, Christ had the opinion of, no, uh, look, they'll have free agency. And, and of course, when Satan's plan wasn't picked, you know, uh, he exited with a third of the host of heaven, mm -hmm. and so therefore he and his, you know, demons are the ones that, you know, are, are here to, you know, thwart the, uh, the idea of following Jesus, which, mm -hmm. you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty much the same plan mm -hmm. in, in, in the LDS church, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you say minus the Kingston part, um, they, they, they probably made it the LDS church part rather than oh, the Kingston part. yes, yes, yes. What, what I'm part. saying is your story my story from Mormonism, very similar. Okay, so I was born on Mormon doctrine, the same thing that you were. Okay, Correct. Pastor Dan, yes. does the Bible support these teachings of Jesus and Lucifer? And if not, what is the, di what is the difference? What? Absolutely not. The Bible <clears throat> states that only one pre-existed, and that is Jesus. And Jesus alone, nobody pre-existed. And so there's no one who has, we were never spirit beings before. And this thought is very antithetical to the biblical teaching. It's very blasphemous to reduce God to manhood, to reduce God, make God equal to man. That's not something that Christians think about. Actually, the Bible says in um, Colossians, in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says this, For by Him, meaning Jesus, all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created by Him. Now Jesus created, if He created all things, including invisible uh, entities such as the devil. The devil was Lucifer. Lucifer is simply a created angel who got loose and uh, he got in trouble for doing that. But uh, God can never, ever contradict himself. God cannot be equal with his own creation. That's, that is a blasphemous statement. Yeah. Just, and it says he created all things in heaven and on earth. And, and of course, earth. Lucifer was an angel that was created in Invisible heaven. Invisible angel, but an angel nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so we see the difference then just in the similarities here, but the difference in biblical Christianity right. of yes. that basics. Now, we were taught in the polygamy group 
that it was part of God's plan that Adam and Eve had to disobey God and eat the fruit. Mm -hmm. And this makes their rebellion against God a required thing and a good thing. Tyson, how were you taught about Adam and Eve's disobedience? Same thing. Uh, you know, it was a required thing in order for them to be able to multiply and replenish the earth. So it was, it was actually a kind of a conundrum that they were in as far as from the Mormon doctrine that sooner or later they had to disobey. That was what I was taught as well. So it was, it was a good thing. They fell. It, yes. it was a good sin. It was a, it was they a good upward. sin because they had to do that in order to be able to fulfill the commandment to multiply and replenish the earth. Okay. Now, Pastor Dan, does the Bible and Christianity teach that it was a good thing for them to disobey God and obey the devil instead? It was a terrible thing. First John, the Bible says that f sin is the... Uh, uh, everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And it also says in the book of Romans somewhere, it says that, uh, Romans 5, 12 actually, it says that sin, through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. Therefore, death cannot be good. That's right. If sin led to death, right. uh, death cannot be good. And the Bible clearly says that the, uh, the generation of Noah, the generation of Noah was destroyed in the flood because of sin. Mm -hmm. Cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of sin. Sin cannot be good. God does not contradict himself. And God cannot condone what he condemns. Absolutely. It's very simple. Absolutely. He cannot condone. I think that's something that, that um, our viewers miss in this culture, that mm -hmm. he cannot condemn something and then turn around and what? condone it. And that mm -hmm. goes with polygamy. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. He can't deny, you know, c command that you, you don't live adultery and that you live monogamy and then command polygamy out of the other side of his mouth. Yes, it's mm -hmm. a very and dizzy and it's, it's intellect going on there. It's the same yeah. thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was taught that Jesus is God's eldest son. Mm -hmm. He was given the opportunity to become the savior of earth's sinful humans through an atoning sacrifice. The atonement allegedly took place in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed, suffered, and sweat great drops of blood. Yep. They taught that this is where Jesus shed his blood for our sins. After completing the atonement in the garden, he went to the cross and died. How did, were you taught? about the atonement. Uh, that's very similar. In fact, what I did in preparing for this, because a lot of what Doris shares is a lot of early Mormonism. For some reason or another, Mormons just want to go, well, we don't want to look at history. Well, you know, it's much better now. Okay, that's great. But when your Mormon missionaries go out and talk about history, they always go to the restoration mm -hmm. with Joseph Smith. So somehow or another, history is just selective. Mm -hmm. So I tried to get recent quotes. And so my quote that I have is from uh, Spencer W. Kimball. It'll probably come up on the screen, but it says, Jesus is God's firstborn son. Lucifer is the secondborn. On down to you and I. Jesus is our elder brother. And that was from Spencer W. Kimball, who was actually prophet when I was, when I was young. So, um, you know, this isn't something back in the 1800s. This is... Now. Yeah, pretty much now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now. Okay. So, the, the, the atonement... You believed, did you believe your sins were paid for because of the cross or the bleeding in the garden? It was the Garden of Gethsemane, absolutely. So what was the cross for? They don't really, the, the Mormons actually steer away from the cross. They won't have a cross on their building. They don't want you to even wear a cross. Um, you know, so it's, it's really, we don't really know in Mormonism what that the cross is for. Because the atonement was completed in the garden. It was all in the garden. It was complete there. Okay. But it had nothing to do with the cross. 
Pastor Dan, what does the Bible teach about where Jesus paid for our sins? And how important is it to have it right? It is very important because <clears throat> your very life, your future, your eternity depends on this. Um, Christians, we as Christians, everyone out there listening, Christians live under a new covenant. The covenant was ratified through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now this is what the scripture says, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9, 16, it says this, For where a covenant is, there must be of necessity the death, not the prayer, the death of the one who made it, not the prayer. And here's another scripture, Romans 5, 10. For if while we were uh, enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. It wow. is again death, the death of His Son. Here's another one about the cross and about death. Colossians that we looked at, chapter 1, verse 20. He, uh, God, reconciled all things through the blood of His cross. Now, it was on the cross that the reconciliation took place, and that's where death took place. Verse 22, down the line on the same uh, scripture, says, He, Jesus, has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death. And I mean, every time you read is about death. The scripture says God rendered, uh, it's Jesus rendered Satan powerless by His death. On the I've cross. I've seen the pattern here. Yes, and, and is he, it? Yeah, and he didn't <laughs> die in the garden. No, he didn't die in the garden. It was on the cross, and that's why, see, that's why on the cross, it was only, if you remember, that it was on the cross where Jesus cried out, it is finished. Not mm -hmm. in the garden. It mm -hmm. was in the, on, on the cross. Because <coughs> the prophecy had said that Jesus would be, uh, 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 by his stripes we are healed. Some 700 years prior to the event, Jesus uh, was pro uh, prophesied that he would die on the cross, but he would have to be flogged. Mm -hmm. Well, he was not flogged as yet on not the garden. Not even before the That's garden. <laughs> yeah, so not, none of this stuff. So this is what happens when you make a man, uh, uh, build up a man-made religion. Now what about, what about, excuse me, but there are those who say, well, it began in the garden and it was finished on the cross. Hmm. Well, he was arrested in the garden. But it says, by His stripes we are healed. But the atonement did not begin in the garden. It, it, it didn't. began because, and ended on the cross. Yes, because some, some 22 and many, many other Psalms speaks of this, that Jesus would be arrested, they would flog Him, and they would give Him vinegar. So they grabbed Him in the garden, they arrested Him there mm -hmm. and dragged Him out. And, uh, it, but to say that the atonement happened in the garden, what about... By His stripes we are healed. Yeah. What about His death on the cross? We've got several What about the scriptures. fulfillment of all the prophecy? Indeed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. You know, you mentioned Hebrews 9.16, where a covenant is made, there must be a necessity of death, mm -hmm. uh, not prayer. And of course, He only prayed in the garden. Uh, but that reminded me, that gave me a little mm -hmm. jolt. Uh, Joseph Smith came in with a new and everlasting covenant, mm -hmm. but there was no death in that covenant. There was no death. And to, ratify, to be able to override the existing covenant of the Old Testament, there has to be a death. That's mm -hmm. why Jesus in 1 Corinthians, in the, in the Gospels also, He takes a cup and He says, This mm -hmm. is a cup of a new covenant in, in my, my blood. blood. Amen. Right. Okay. Not in Great. my prayer. Great. So the garden was a place of prayer, not a place of atonement. Mm -hmm. Number four. They taught us that because of Jesus' atonement in the garden, 
All mankind will be resurrected, but forgiveness is not available unless we learn to live a perfect life by obeying the laws of the Bible and the laws of the polygamy group, which includes living polygamy, being a faithful member of the Kingston polygamy group, and remaining loyal to the United Order. If we're able to accomplish all that, we have a chance for eternal life, which mean, means becoming a god or the, a wife mm. of a god and live act eternally in heaven making babies forever. Right. If we can't do all that, we go to hell. Tyson, explain how you were taught we could gain eternal life in the Mormon church. Okay. <clears throat> well, you know, <laughs> minus Kingston's. And uh, it's all about obedience. In fact, those of you that are LDS... I want you to just think for a second. Go to the general conference. I don't care which one. Tell me there's a time that there isn't a talk on obedience. It's all about obedience to the law, obedience to the words of the prophets. Obedience, obedience, oh, and I might have mentioned obedience. Okay, and so they, they don't talk about grace and things like that. Salvation is very much earned, as you were talking about, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. in Mormonism, both in fundamentalist Mormonism as well as mainstream Mormonism, which I was a part of. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they don't talk about the cross, they don't talk about nope. grace, they don't talk... Well, the big, one of the big things that they love that was a scripture mastery is faith without works is dead. You know, and so they, they always want to be able to utilize that. However, I'm sure Pastor Dan would be able to... Well, and they take that way out of context anyway. <laughs> of course. You but, betcha. But that's, that's basically it. It's, all, it's a very works-driven organization. Okay, it's definitely is that in the polygamy group for sure. Right. There's, I didn't know what grace was and except for I knew a girl named Grace. Oh. And, it, and it's interesting, you, you mentioned um, uh, talking earlier about the temple recommend questions and how obeying all those things in order to go into the temple oh, yes. as, as part of <coughs> In fact, of I their actually had a couple of quotes on that. Um, and this is something that really, you guys should think about this for a second here, especially in looking at all of the history. Doris covers so many different things. And, and an important thing, don't believe us or believe someone else. This is a journey. Every one of us get the opportunity to take this journey. So what I love about Doris's show, what I love about this, is that she will put footnotes and say, this is where I got this information. Mm -hmm. This is not anti-Mormon information. Would the Mormons actually print their own anti-Mormon literature because they needed additional drama? I don't think so. So anyway, so stand by really quick here. Here's a couple of Temple Recommend questions. Um, this one, do you sustain the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as prophet, seer, and revelator, and as the only person, let me just highlight there, only person, okay, on earth who possesses uh, and is authorized to exercise all priesthood keys? Do you sustain, eh, I'm having a hard time talking here. Do you sustain members of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles as prophets, seers, and revelators? Do you sustain other general authorities and local authorities of the church? Now, talking about salvation, talking about obedience, okay? As a Mormon, I was married in the temple. The temple is a big deal, not something to even joke around about, right? You can't even talk about things in there, even though you're not supposed to just talk about certain parts of it. Um, that is a big deal. Now look what it's asking, okay? It's asking you about the leaders as well. Mm. And she will quote uh, mm. name, verse, etc., of all these different things that these leaders mm. say. So when you're believing them, you're sustaining them, just think about what is your personal integrity worth to you? Do you really believe and sustain 
everything that these guys have said past to present? Well, I think what bothered me when I read your quote is that none <coughs> of those questions included Jesus Christ or God or the cross or, or grace or forgiveness or resurrection or justification. None of those questions included the things that really count. Well, in defense of the Mormons, and I, to show you I'm fair and balanced, there is a part really quick as far as uh, in the temple recommend questions where it says, do you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, etc.? Okay, and so um, uh, they do ask that. However, it's, it's, it's a, there are many other questions that certainly overshadow Christ. Okay, Pastor Dan, you've heard what I was taught in the polygamy group and what, of course what Tyson has shared with us here. Uh, what did Jesus teach about the requirements for us to gain eternal life? Yes, for gain eternal life, I think for Christians out there, we would have issue with the word gain, perhaps in the way in which they are using it. Because they're using it in terms of gaining it from your works. And uh, if you were to gain it by works, how, how many works would that be? How much would that be? I mean, uh, there isn't enough works that any one person can do, uh, let alone the, uh, uh, to, to be justified by God. The scripture says in John 17, 3, if I have it, I put it on the screen. It says, this is eternal life. This is Jesus speaking. He says, this is eternal life that uh, they may know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent, that they may have intimacy with him, not just know about him. That has to do with intimacy. A personal relationship. Personal relationship with God. That's why when you go to the ward, you're so dry. You can I'm even glad that you clarified that because sometimes intimacy in early Mormonism might be a little bit different. Yes. Well, that's a that's a point. <laughs> yeah. In early I'm just Mormonism, saying, it yeah. would. Yeah. Oh yeah, my goodness. Anyway. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that Freaky. up. My goodness, we have Sorry. to. I had we have to readdress. <laughs> see, the, they twisted some of the terminology that mm -hmm. we use mm -hmm. to use for their own yes, benefits. But in John three thirty six, I like. I like the scripture because uh, it's still Jesus is he says the he who believes in the son Jesus has eternal life not he who gains not he who works too hard right. he who has who believes in the son <laughs> has eternal life and he who does not obey the son Jesus will not see life but the wrath of God abides in him it's not something that is earned it's something that is given Jesus mm -hmm. had said that in John 10. Mm -hmm. He said his sheep know him and he gives unto them eternal life. Something that is given by him is something that is received by us and everyone out there that's listening. But it not, has nothing to do with your temple uh, works, mowing lawns, mm -hmm. helping old ladies cross the street. It has nothing to do with all that. Mm -hmm. You see, for us in mainstream Mormonism, and I don't know if it was the same for you in the Kingston group, but I can't uh, go to the highest degree of celestial glory, unless I'm married. I'm married in the temple, okay? And by being married in the mm -hmm. temple, I have to be able to say yes to all of these questions. I have to support Joseph Smith's mm -hmm. restoration of the gospel. That is almost more paramount than Jesus's position as well. So one of the things that's really important for you to understand in Mormonism, when you're saying Mormons are Christian and I don't understand why Christians say we're not. And as a Mormon, I would have argued tooth and nail, said, I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ, as several Mormons do, mm -hmm. but I never understood it mm -hmm. until I was outside for a minute and saying, hold on, I need to look at things neutrally, which yeah. is very discouraged, because yeah. if you mm -hmm. think for yourself, you better stop. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a very interesting thing that I really can't go to the temple solely based on Christ, because I have to go to that building too. Mm -hmm. I have to be sealed to my wife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, a lot of these things that you have to do in order to, um, 
gain yes. eternal life by your own works. May I ask you what your reaction was when you first discovered and understood that Jesus is not our elder brother and that he is not Satan's brother, but instead he's his, he's his creator? Well, when you first became a Christian and that was realistic to you? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'd say that my head was already spinning so fast yeah. based on everything else that I had taken in yeah. that wasn't quite as significant. Um, it was weird though, because I just felt like everything that I had been taught, everything I had learned, uh, I felt like I had gone back to maybe not infancy, but certainly being a toddler. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it was is. it was incredibly confusing it for is. me. It, it, it is. I was shocked when I found out that Jesus is God and that he is not Lucifer's brother. Oh, absolutely. I was shocked. Yeah. And, and then it scared me for my family <laughs> who still believes that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. And mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that, too, as we go on. Uh, Pastor Dan, this culture believes in a person they call Jesus. Mm. They believe in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, as the Bible records of Jesus. Isn't that enough? I mean, does it matter if he, they call him Satan's brother and all that? Isn't it enough that they just believe on this person they call Jesus? Well, that, that's not enough. You cannot, to believe in Jesus Christ has to do with committing everything to him and it starts with believing in the right Jesus to start with you have to believe in the right Jesus that this is a Jesus who is indeed the only begotten Son of God and uh, if it is not that you're believing in the wrong Jesus who started somewhere, who was born somewhere in some planet far away who then grew up uh, to learn to be God all those things are uh, foreign to the mm-hmm. biblical teaching you have a quote from John 1.18. I really think we need to put it on the screen. It's very important um, that he is the only begotten God. He's the only begotten God, indeed. Um, if you put it on the screen, it says of God, he's the only begotten, believing in the fact that God, Jesus, is the only begotten God. He's God. He is God. He is God, not losing And there father. is only one God <laughs> yeah. in this whole universe. Uh-huh. And uh, he manifested himself in Jesus Christ. There aren't three gods. There aren't many gods. God says, I know of no other God except himself and him alone. And so uh, you have to believe in this one, the the one who existed uncreated, the only begotten uh, God. Uh, And believing in him, meaning that to commit everything for uh, uh, to him. Jesus instructed us to worship in truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mentioned at the first of the show. That would include the truth of who he is. Mm-hmm. Believing that Jesus and Satan are brothers is a dangerous belief. In fact, in a way, it's a spiritual identity fraud. Yes. If identity fraud is that's illegal pretty. on earth, why that. should it be acceptable <laughs> when applied to our Savior? There's a new business the Mormons could get into. Not just life lock, but they could have eternity lock. You know, like life, life, life lock for the uh, well, identity it, theft? Well, it really Sorry. is. It's, it's <laughs> wrong to, to apply a false identity to Jesus and then call him the Savior. Interesting mm-hmm. stuff. So I, I love that. I, I, I have never thought of it like that. That's, that's pretty deep. It's interesting. So it is important to believe the truth of who Jesus Christ really is. It is very that's important. the point of our show tonight. Yes, indeed. It is because the Jesus who is not the right Jesus is not the saving Jesus. You can follow any man. You can follow any other Jesus. Jesus says to us that in the last days, many will come in his name saying, I am he. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to isolate and identify the true saving 
Jesus, the only begotten God. Because apart from that, you have no eternal salvation in God, no relationship with God. Okay, we've got a lot more to share. However, we are um, at uh, the half hour, so we probably ought to break for our um, our, our mid-show uh, break and open up the telephone lines so our viewers can call in and talk to us, ask questions, make comments. Our phone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. Give us a call. We would love to hear from new viewers, from polygamous viewers and, and Mormon viewers, and just kind of have your input in what we're talking about. So uh, right now, we'd like to share a message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? My name is Doris Hansen. I'm the host of the show, and we have two guests tonight, Tyson Holbrook, who is a former Mormon, and Pastor Dan Mamatella from Mill Creek Church in Salt Lake City. And we are discussing comparing doctrines of polygamy group, Mormon church, and Christian doctrine, especially as it applies to who Jesus Christ is. Uh, is he who this culture says he is, or is he who the Bible says he is? So uh, we're waiting for our phone calls to come in. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I read a letter, an email that we had received from a woman who said that her Mormon mother had given her some verses that proved that Jesus and Satan were brothers. Mm. What I'm asking our viewers tonight is, if any of you have verses, because they didn't, she didn't send me those verses. If any of you have verses that are used to prove Jesus and Satan are brothers, we sure would like to have them. So call in and give them to us. If you don't want to go on the line on the air, you can give them to the operator and she can give them to us. But we'd like to know what verses you use from the Bible to prove that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Actually, I'd like him to find a verse in the Book of Mormon that <laughs> proves that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Okay, let's go to the next question as we wait for the calls. Since Jesus is the Savior, 
and Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, as the Bible teaches, how is it possible to be required to obey all the ordinances of the gospel in order to be saved according to Mormon Article of Faith number three? Now we're going to put Mormon Article of Faith number three on the screen. Please remember, polygamists also embrace these articles of faith as prepared by Joseph Smith. This is what it says. We believe that through the atonement of Christ, now that would be the bleeding in the garden, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Now, we've talked about this briefly before the break. Someone said that if obedience <coughs> to the laws and ordinances of the gospel saved us, then Jesus isn't our Savior. We become our own Savior through our obedience. Right. Tyson, as a Mormon, were you ever frustrated about striving to keep a long list of rules and ordinances? Would you rather have known about faith alone in Jesus Christ? Yeah, <laughs> it was it, it was it was a little bit dizzying as far as everything. I was I was very much wanting to make sure I was doing everything right, um, and you know making sure I was following the path that had been laid out for me. Um, I was very much about trying to be obedient, which is part of why I read the Journal of Discourses and History of the Church before I even looked at the dang internet, because you know it's evil. Um, and just so you know, when somebody says, "Oh, when you look at one of those quotes, you need to read it in context." Do that. Yeah. Read it in context and yeah. see how much different it is. It's mm -hmm. actually usually worse. It, it anyway, actually so sorry. Is. Back, right. back to mm -hmm. your question. Yes. Okay, Pastor Dan, what is biblically wrong with Article of Faith number three? Everything is wrong with with Article three. <laughs> Nobody can ever work for salvation. And uh, the Bible clearly teaches that, that nobody, no works. For, for example, I, I was thinking about this today, thinking, you know, here God requires an ocean of righteousness for salvation. If you were to gather all the righteousnesses of everybody on planet Earth, whoever lived now until Jesus comes, none of all those righteousness can fill up the cup for righteousness for one person. This is very serious stuff. Galatians chapter 2.21, it says this, If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing, needlessly, wow. in vain. If you can achieve it through temple, uh, works through anything that you're doing, then it is absolutely useless that Jesus Christ died. And that's what the Bible that's says. What the Bible well, that's a glass half empty look. It is indeed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I have another scripture, if I can say that. Yeah. Romans chapter 3 20, I don't know if I have that on the screen, but it says, Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in the, in the sight of God by his sight. So salvation is only through Christ alone, by faith alone. And we it, need to say salvation. Oh. As, as you say salvation, the Bible refers to salvation as eternal life. This culture uses it for resurrection. Goodness. Salvation is eternal life in the Bible, right? I just learned what you just said uh, earlier in the show, that uh, salvation does not really mean salvation in the moment sense. And I'd like to say to people out there who are twisting Scripture, you know the words of Scripture, and you know exactly what they mean in the Hebrew. You know what it means in the Greek. You know that all Old Testament, this New Testament has been prophesied in the Hebraic texts, all of it, all the way from Genesis. And if you're twisting these words and you're leading men away, and you're leading men astray, and people go to hell because of you, God's judgment and His wrath abides on you even now. You'll never escape. Right. You'll never escape. That's exactly right. Well, we've got some phone calls waiting. We've still got a lot more to talk about, but there's some people out there that want to talk too. So we're going to go to line one. Uh, Carol from Sandy's calling. Hello, Carol. 
Hi. You're on the air, uh, Carol. Well, I want to know uh, about the history of uh, Joseph Smith saying that he's going to be the judge when we go to heaven. Uh, I he, he uh, claimed in the this, um, the Journal of Discourses that he would be there to judge all people mm-hmm. whether they were going to heaven or yeah. hell. Yeah, they have to p- pass through the judgment bar of Joseph Smith. In That's order correct. To There's not a man or woman in this dispensation who will enter into the kingdom of God without the approval of Joseph Smith, said by Brigham Young in the Journal of Discourses. So, yes. Um, that's in fact it's it's littered through the journal of discourses joseph smith in mormonism of course early mormonism so a lot of current mormons don't want to believe that it was said so they ignore it but um yeah that is littered through the journal of discourses you'll find probably four quotes that will that will suffice on that wow and that's heresy too that's absolutely not true well i've always uh i'm i'm also like you i was a member of the mormon church and i did the study of the historical doctrine i left the church and I'm a Christian now Praise and uh, I just I think that's awfully uh, um, I guess mean-spirited for them to say that because well, it is. you know all these uh, spirits all over the world and uh, I don't know if Joseph Smith knows how they've lived or and it's just it really got me to yeah. Thinking about it. And and Brigham Young even said that Joseph Smith was his God. After Joseph Smith died and Brigham Young became president, he said, I don't know, I can't quote where it's at, but it's also in the the Journal of Discourse, but I don't know where. That's correct. Basically, um, you will, you know, everyone, there will come a time, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, there will come a time where every single person will see Joseph Smith as the prophet, seer, seer, revelator, and God their God. And it's and it's said twice that I know of in the Journal of Discourses. Yeah. So, okay. yes. Well, thank you, Carol. You certainly have a good point that you mentioned. I'm glad that you're a Christian now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> good night. Okay, good call. On line two, we have Mike from Salt Lake City. Hello, Mike. How are you doing, Doris? Very good. I, uh, I was Very watching your program tonight, and I was... Uh, just thinking to myself, I was a Mormon. I didn't believe in anything, so I started going to the church. I was married to a Mormon woman, a very good woman, God bless her. And uh, I, all the things that I heard, I'm a minority, I'm Mexican. I didn't uh, believe all those things. And then when I got in there, I found out that they were true, that they thought that, you know, the color of my skin, they were, you know, and uh, uh, how they blasphemed just about everything, the Jews, uh you know about what you were talking about Satan and Jesus being brothers and all these other things I mean you know I've listened to you for a while and I know that that a lot of the doctrine comes from the uh, Masons and that's basically what I see now is that they're an organization not really a church they're an organization that does incredible work but uh, they they discredited everything that God ever like you were talking about salvation tonight you were talking about you know, they're talking about uh, uh, having children and all these other gods and becoming gods through progression and evolution and all these things that are 
totally blasphemous uh, against the, uh, against Christianity. And that's yeah. kind of what we wanted to talk about tonight, Mike, was uh, to zero in on the fact that who they believe Jesus is is not the biblical Jesus and how mm -hmm. eternally important it is for them to understand who the true biblical Jesus is. Definitely. And uh, what I, you know, what I was saying more than anything else is that uh, these people here are very, are very, God loves them very much. And uh, God like loves said, us all. Mm -hmm. uh, to a certain degree because she was Mormon. Mm -hmm. And uh, she finally got what she wanted. She went to uh, marry the man that took her to the temple and married mm -hmm. her, and then she got a divorce. Now, what happens to her now, you know, after all this stuff? The end of the law is bitterness and depression. You can't, we can't live it. We're not saved by gold or silver traditions of men, but by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. And if we add anything into it, that's self-righteousness, and that's wrong. Well, self-righteousness never gets anybody uh, in favor with mm -hmm. God. Thank you, Mike. We got another call coming in. We appreciate your call. Thanks, Mike. It was a good point. Well, bye. Okay, line three. We have Wayne calling from Brigham City. Hello, Wayne. Hi, Doris. How you doing? Very good. Thank you. How are you? Good. Hey, God bless uh, what you're doing with your uh, with your mission here. Uh, I wanted to mention to you and to Tyson also. Uh, I've been watching, and I didn't. If you said anything about the tithing thing, I didn't catch it. I'm not sure how it is in the in the polygamist groups, but in the mainstream Mormon church, if you're not a full tithe payer and you're not paying all of your other offerings. Mm -hmm then you can't get your temple recommend. You can't get married in the temple. You can't get sealed. Therefore, you're not going to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. So aren't you glad that we're saved by grace, not by works? Well, <laughs> not only the works, but you also have to buy your way in. So I just wanted to mention that, and uh, I'll hang up and let you move on. Okay. God bless you all. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate your call, and that's a good point. That uh, Christians tithe too, but but that there's not any great big law, and we don't have to answer questions of, of a full tithe or anything like that taking place because it's between the person and God mm -hmm. alone. What mm -hmm. we tithe. It's it's really. I mean, if you look at it purely from a business standpoint, if you take morals aside, it's really a pretty br brilliant business as far as how it is. It's, it's pretty wild how that part of it goes. Because the thing is, just really quick, uh -huh. so I was married in the temple, and so when I found out that, you know, I had a lot of faith issues, and I was sharing that with my wife, guess what? That messes her up. Because guess what? I'm there to be there with her. And so if I'm getting messed up, she brings me back, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so all I'm saying is it's almost like two crabs in a bucket keep pulling each other out. No, 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 don't you start looking at anything, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's just, it's that, amazing that's to big. me. That is big. Uh, okay, let's go to the next point. According to the teachings in the polygamy group, there were some sins that Jesus would not or could not forgive. Oh. They could not, sins he did not die for. The sins that we were taught were sexual immorality, <clears throat> murder, rejecting polygamy, and rejecting the Kingston polygamy group and their united order. Tyson, were you taught there were unforgivable sins? And if so, what were they? Yes. Um, the only answer, okay, I'm going to share what my opinion is on this because I don't, in Mormonism, you get so many different answers, which is just fantastic and very exciting. That's why you go every Sunday. That way you can have a choose your own adventure type thing. So 
Anyway, um, the only thing I'm aware of that was absolutely unequivocally putting you uh, out of, of uh, being forgiven is if you apostatize and you'd go to outer darkness. And that was so, the only unforgivable sin. So what? adultery wasn't, murder wasn't? No, adultery your? is something you'd be disfellowshipped for, excommunicated for. Um, murder, I mean, the LDS Church has done baptisms for the dead, for plenty of uh, people that have a lot of murder in their history. You can look that up. It's kind of exciting. That's true. So, you know, so really, no. Mm -hmm. No. Pretty much, if you just uh, apostatize, then you're in really bad then, shape. But kill that's people, bad. that's right. Okay, so. Pastor Dan, are there sins Jesus didn't die for? And what are the implications of the belief that Jesus did not die for all of our sins? Well, the implications are huge. If Jesus didn't die for every sin, you go ahead and do the works yourself. It would mean that many things. It would mean one of uh, one thing would be that God has has lied because the angel Gabriel said uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so if he didn't die for the sin, so he didn't take out the sin, the t take away the sins of the world. It would mean that he he lied, and yep. that, that would be com completely wrong. And here's another scripture that I'd like to put on the screen: First John two two. In that scripture it says this, and he, speak, speaking of Jesus, he himself is a propitiation of our sins and not of our sins only, but of, uh, also of those of the whole world. In other words, God, when, when he sent Jesus to pay for the sin debt, he knew that Jesus would pay for the sin debt of the entire world. Jesus, when he died and he said it is finished, it meant just that, that it is finished. In other words, all the sins have been paid for. Now, there's a big difference. Uh, he paid for the sins of the entire world, but not everybody will come to Jesus. Right. And that's a big problem. Right. That's, right the, that's the and whole And you can rely on your right own there. righteousness, as the, the Apostle Paul said in, yeah. in the book of Romans. Yeah, self-righteousness yes. won't get us anywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, we got another call here. We can take line two, Stan calling from Star Valley. Hello, Stan, you're on the air. Stan? Yes. You're on the air? Yes, I am. Yes, you're on the air. What's your question? Oh, she's asking. Yes, I enjoyed your show, Doris. I have enjoyed it for the last couple of years or so. Good. Thank you. And being a guy from Provo, Utah, you kind of know where my background is right away. I forget. Uh, but my question is, who wrote the Bible? Somebody had to put it down on either papyrus or clay. And if a human person wrote the Bible, to me that's, uh, well, anything that is written or spoken by any authority is propaganda. Propaganda okay. to truth, to me anyway, is like a young woman being half pregnant. Oh, well, we will let the pastor answer that question. And I'll, I'll, uh, I will disconnect you so that you can listen on your television screen, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Who wrote the Bible? Good. God wrote the Bible, my friend, <clears throat> is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. The scripture says God is, the Bible is God breathed. Now God moved uh, men to write down what he needed to write down. And I know it's confusing for you because you're not even a Christian. Otherwise, you didn't ask the question. The prophet Daniel was writing things down. After he wrote them down, he didn't even understand what he was writing. And he asked the angel, he said, what do these things mean? And he was told, uh, seal up the book, Daniel, don't worry about it. That's not for you to understand right now. It's for the time yet future. So God wrote the, the Bible and you can accept it or 
or rejected, but it's up to you. And he moved people to write what he, he wanted them to say. Exactly. Right. All scriptures God breathed, God the Bible breathed. says. All mm -hmm. is by inspiration of God. We have an off-the-air question. This is kind of off-topic, too, but um, <laughs> we will. Um, do patriarchal blessings predict the future, and do those things come true? I don't even know what patriarchal blessing, what do they mean? Tyson. Mormonism? Yeah, it's a Mormonism thing. Mm -hmm. it's well, they do it in the polygamy groups as well. <laughs> oh, they do? Oh, you betcha. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay. a big power play. Yeah, it is. So, patriarchal blessings are your personal scripture, according to Mormonism. And, um, no. Now, there are some things that certainly can come true, because that's just the nature of how it goes. Right? Every once in a while, uh, a broken clock can be right twice a day. Okay, so uh, that's that's basically how I would sum up a uh, sum up a patriarchal blessing, Doris. Um, they, um, <laughs> I don't know that they predict the future. I wouldn't say that a horoscope predicts the future, but it's it it's isn't true. it's it isn't true. Psychic friends network. Um, true, and we're and we're not we're not supposed to do that. Now, like you say, some of the things that are said will happen because there, I was told in my patriarchal blessing that I was going to be a mother in Zion and have many, many children. Well, mm. that never came true. That was the furthest thing that happened, actually. So no, it did not come true. But then Zion is in Jerusalem. It's not in Salt Lake City. So right. they were telling a lie from the very beginning. But the patriarchal mm. blessings are a fraud. They are not biblical. The only blessing that was that was given was when, when God told Moses how how the priest was supposed to bless Israel, yes, and that's indeed. in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through mm -hmm. 26, which are beautiful verses, and that's the best blessing that any of us will ever get. Mm -hmm. We're getting real close to the end now, so I want to make a very quick uh, a statement, and either one of you, either one of you can answer quickly as well. A person makes a personal choice, whether they go to heaven or hell, by the, the believing Jesus and which Jesus they believe in. People can know before they die. Did you know as a Mormon before you died if you would be able to go to heaven or hell? And what does it do as a Christian that you do know before you die that you're going to heaven? I'll make mine really fast. In Mormonism, you're always working on trying not to go to hell because there's a lot of work to do. So that's always on your mind, Pastor Dan. In Christianity, you just believe in Jesus Christ, put your trust in Him to pay for your sin debt in full, uh, to see you through the next life, and uh, that's about it. That's just believing in Jesus, you are sure, because He said so. He cannot lie. God cannot mince words. He doesn't contradict Himself. He said if you believe in Him, He will give you eternal life. He will save you. All you got to do is just come and uh, humble yourself to Him. And say, Lord, I, I repent of my sin. I thought I was doing these great works. And I, I'm not doing very well at this particular point. I, and I've been failing daily. And, and if you would just help me, Lord God, I just trust you. And I completely, completely rely on your saving grace. And that's what believing in Jesus means. Trusting, believing. completely relying upon him 100% mm -hmm. uh, for his salvation. Thank you, Tyson, for no, coming. Thank you. Thank we for didn't cover me. everything. Thank you, Pastor okay. Dan, for coming. Uh, I appreciate both of your input and being able to compare these doctrines. I think it's very important for our culture to know the right Jesus is extremely important on, a, uh, on a, our salvation. And we do have a very important question for our LDS and our polygamous viewers. 
scholars, this question is one that Jesus asked his critics in John chapter 5, verse 46 and 47, where he said, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? This culture does not believe all that Moses wrote, nor all that Jesus said. Moses and Jesus both said there's only one God. Jesus claimed that he was God. The Jews tried to stone him for making himself equal with God. The disciple Thomas declared Jesus Christ was God. The apostle Paul declared that Jesus Christ is God. The apostle Paul, or John also wrote that Jesus Christ is the true God, the only true God. They were eyewitnesses. They knew who Jesus was. And since going to, to heaven and being saved from hell, being forgiven of our sins are all contingent upon believing the truth of who Jesus is. Shouldn't you check out the truth? Jesus is not our elder brother. He is not Satan's brother. Satan's brother cannot forgive sins. Satan's brother cannot save anyone from hell. Satan's brother did not die for your sins. He is not the Savior. Satan's brother is not the Jesus of the Bible. In fact, Satan's brother doesn't even exist. Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? And that's the most important question that was asked, and it's the most important question that you will ever be required to answer. Make sure that you answer that question with the truth, a biblical truth. Jesus Christ is God, and He is the one who earned our heaven for us on the cross, not polygamy. Thank you. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.